Welcome to the iDeveloper podcast, episode number 97. I'm Scotty, and with me as ever is my amazing co-host, Mr. John Fox. How are you, John? Oh, Scotty, I was just, I was, I was already at a super high happiness level just because we were recording our 97th episode, but then when you said those sweet things, I, it's hard to imagine being any better. You see, you're getting quite excited about this build-up to episode 100, and I'm just not quite sure what you're going to have left in your life once we reach it. Well, haven't you ever seen the movie Thelma and Louise? Uh, is there going to be a cliff and an open-top car involved in this thing? <laughs> exactly. It's going to be I developer love. <laughs> <laughs> There we are. That was not an official announcement, folks. I'm not guaranteeing to drive off the cliff with John. End of no, you're just going to drive me off and get I'll out at the last out. moment. And it was like, Maybe. episode one of your new podcast. It'll be like, hello, hello from the top of Dover Cliff. <laughs> yes, we'll have to, um, there we are. We'll have, we'll have to see what happens. Or maybe some other suitable ending to movies. Let's think of gruesome endings to movies that could end, end off John if I we decide that, to do that at 100. I think that people should be encouraged to send in their suggestions. <laughs> oh, that would mean people would actually have to talk to us, John. Although we did have a, um, a review this week. Uh, we did. I saw. Thank you. I can't remember the person's name, but thank you. Thank you. We're so pathetically grateful. I, w- I will tell you the person's name. Uh, the person's name is Snow for Angel. Oh, no, Snow Angel on, um, from the United States and left a review on the 19th of November and it said, I really enjoy the show. Keep up the great work, guys. Hmm. Do, you think he, do you think he left a review for the wrong show? No. Oh, Scotty, don't be so... You know, there's self-deprecation <laughs> there's self-deprecation, and then there's self-loathing. Let's, let's try and skew towards... <laughs> further away from... from Self-deprecation, uh, from self-loathing, rather. That was our only review. That was No, sorry, that's only the second review we've had this year. I, I would like to reach 10 reviews before the end of the year, so we need eight more people to review us. Um, and and uh, Snow Angel gave us five stars, John. How about that? Wow. So wow. thank you, Snow Angel. We're going to live up to every one of those five stars. Right, I guess we ought to actually talk about something that deserves a star, and otherwise people will stop listening altogether, let alone give us reviews. Now, I wanted to speak this week, John, about... Um, well, I don't want to get too involved in the articles themselves, but maybe some concepts around there. Um, Michael Lopp, uh, better known on the internet as Rands, writes a popular blog called Rands in Response, uh, wrote uh, an article, um, 18th of November, called um, RIP Things, or Rest in Peace Things. Uh-huh. Now, He'd been using the productivity tool things for a, a number of years and had stuck with it. And it had a number of um, issues in its development, like syncing. But, you know, what productivity app didn't? You think of OmniFocus sure. has had issues. And we know the guys at Black Pixel with their apps are having issues. And, you know, they're all taking their time to sort them out and doing their own proprietary versions. So he'd stuck with it through all that going on. And uh, with them... But he sort of wrote an article this week saying how he moved on to try another product um, and start using another product because he felt the product wasn't developing fast enough, um, that it was stagnating. Now, that in its own right hasn't been such a problem, other than the fact that he said, actually, the product did everything I needed to do. It was perfect in my workflow. I didn't actually really, really need it to do anything else. But... Um, I, uh, you know, the stagnation, as he saw it, I'm not going to comment whether 
things is stagnating or not. That's not for us to do. Um, you know, made him actually think about looking elsewhere. Now, um, there was a response to that. I mean, there were quite a few responses to that, but um, a November the 19th, a blog post from Daniel Jelkert, um, who produces Mars Edit, which is an app known for its, um, shall we say, steady development. <laughs> you know, da- Daniel's very um, precise about what he puts in there, what he releases when. You know, he's you know you don't if you use Mars Edit, you don't see an update with new features coming out. You know, every every other day, it's you know got quite long uh, developer times in there. So I guess he was feeling a little bit, uh, ooh, what's this saying about my application uh, type of thing. Um, and he argued that actually sometimes these long developer, these long releases, uh, these sort of not changing every day is more a sign of stability than stagnation and felt that um, Michael should have maybe shown more loyalty to the thing's application. Now, I don't want to get too involved in whether, you know, uh, Michael should, should you know, stay involved with things or not. You know, that's his own choice. But this this whole, I thought we could have this a chat around this whole concept of, you know, when does an app be stagnated? You know, how often is good for a release? And, and really the question is, well, does a user owe any loyalty to a software developer at all? Should we expect loyalty from from our users? Um, Are we loyal to the people we buy things from? Um, Or do we buy what works best for us? So um, there we are. That's that's the um, the subject for the day. There's links to both these blog posts and to things in the show notes. So if you're listening now and you want to go read these articles first, um, press pause. We'll wait for you to come back. Are y'all back? back? Yeah, I think they're back, John. I, I think I heard um, the shuffling of a few feet <laughs> at the um, at the other end of the headphones. So, um, John, what's your first opinion on this? Because, I mean, we haven't spoken about this at all, so I'd be interested to know what you think, really. Well, you know, I'm of two minds. I, I think that, you know, you have to be brutal. Nobody owes anybody anything, you know, and, and this is software. This is not, you know, this is not your mom. This is not your child. Um and so you, you, you I, I'm kind of of the opinion that you, you have to earn people's attention, you know, and 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 you know, interest and support, practically in five minute intervals. Um, I don't agree that 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 the, the the only way of showing that is to be able to say, you know, uh, oh, look at these new features, because I think in a way that 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 to me sounds like you're kind of like shooting and shooting and shooting and see what sticks to the wall. Um, but I think that 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 customers need to hear from you. I mean, I I would say that you know let, let's look at an app like uh, Sandbox. You know, Sandbox has been around for a long time. It's had its its ups and downs. I mean, we all know the story about how it was. You know, it, it became a a descriptive word when Apple competes with you, um, and they've they've developed their app very slowly and steadily. I think that you could say that that you know a similar pace. Um, I, I don't know you know who had more more features more quickly, but the thing I will say about Sandbox is I hear from them regularly. You know, we, we've talked about in prior shows about the art of of customer communication and how they get emails all the time that are informative. So I think that that is, is something I think that if you have the expectation that your customers will be loyal to you, you have they have to hear from you. Um, so I think that that, you know, and, and, and I, I don't use things, so I, I can't say, you know, whether whether, you know, what their communication was like. So, but but I, I will say I, I agree to certain extents with both of them. You know, I think that this guy, you know, uh, reigns in repose. I, I'd heard of him. I never, I haven't read his blog before. You know, what he's saying, I, I hardly believe he's the only one who says that. 
Um, I also think he's a blogger, right? So you have to take a type of controversial you know, position to be able to get a conversation started. So I'm not, I'm not kind of surprised that he, he took that attitude. I, I also firmly agree with, with, with Daniel that, you know, that if you want something to, to be in the long run, it has to be sustainable. And that means you have to be very, very careful. And, and I will also say that in the last, in the last two release cycles of Apple's, you know, Mac operating system, it's, 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 I at least have personally felt kind of like, you know, you have to hold on for, for dear life with the, with the changes with the sandboxing, which affected a ton of apps, you know, the disappearance of, of mobile me services that, that many apps depended on, you know, uh, so, so, and, and then of course, you know, if you, you in any way depended on syncing, you've been for a wild ride. So it's kind of all you could do just to keep your app stable. And it's not like the, the first couple of years where people just, you know, were able to, to pass through tons of features because it was, it was very easy to, to do so. So there, there's, there's something else that this, you know, that, that these articles or this whole topic made me think about is that, you know, there are many different types of apps, but, you know, let's, let's say that you're playing a game. I mean, there's, there's really kind of no long-term investment in a game, right? You know, you know, unless it's, it's part of your identity, you know, you're, I'm an angry bird. So I wear the t-shirt and I sleep on the, with the, the angry bird sheets on my, my little boy bed. You know, that, that's not the case for, 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 you know, most software is, you know, is, is not like that. Um, and so if, if you are using an app that, that, is a, 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 an important part of your life, as would you know, be a, 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 a you know, time tracking, productivity, list management, you know, app. Um, that is that is something that that is probably a more of an investment and, and more sense of entitlement than than a, a throwaway app. And I, I think even similar with with Memory Miner. I mean, the, in the early days before I had you know anybody use it when I first came out, there's the kind of initial buzz and stuff. But I, I you know this is an app that asks people to make a significant investment in time, and, and I got over and over and over the same questions like, what happens if you you know you go under or you stop developing? And because you know in that category, in, in every software category, there are tons of software that comes along saying, here's the next big thing, put all your time, put all your eggs in our basket, and we'll be great. So very early on, I I made it very very clear. Um, about how people could walk away at any moment and not lose their investment. I took that very seriously. And I think that, that if you are building an app that, that in any way requires that type of investment, I think that you owe, and you, and you want long-term relations with your customers, you owe them two things. One is that you owe them consistent, regular communication. That's helpful. And also to make it very, very clear about how uh, they can they can they can walk away. I mean, you know, Google calls it the the data liberation front. And I always like that phrase, but I think that that that's how you have to think about it. And if you you do those things, then you stand a, a perfectly reasonable chance of having long standing, long term, happy relationships with your customers. And if you don't, don't have expectations of that. Make sense? Yeah, no, I think it does, and I think it, it does depend on the product, as as you said, to what the investment is going to be. I think. You know, if if we go back to you know not that many years ago, you know when software came in a box, um, you didn't expect to see anything more often than maybe, you know, once a year for a really dynamic company, and sort of probably more likely eighteen months to two years um, if you're you know for for a more more normal product, um, and that often included the bug fixes as well yeah. <laughs> um, that you 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 got in there. Um, so this whole aspect of my software is changing, um, all of the time or, you know, 
when I find a problem in the software, I expect it to be to be fixed, you know, uh, reasonably quickly and um, yeah, stuff like that. It's it's uh, uh, it's it's that's a new generation of software users, really. And if you're fairly new to buying software, cause I, I think let's remember here as well. I mean, we're not talking about Michael here because Michael's a, you know an old hand at this. I'm talking more in principle here. This is the the, the articles are just there to. Um, uh, spark the discussion um i think really before the mac app store came along as well most mac users probably hadn't even bought software um and so you know the expectation is they keep getting these little updates all the time in their um update thing uh and that's what makes uh, the apps give them attention and everything so um in in a way it's uh um really uh, an expectation has been, been been changed. Now the question is: Do we as software engineers need to now consider that as part of our release cycle and how we do it? That this expectation and the platform is different, or do we educate the users differently? Or, as you said, is just talking to them enough? Um, you can't really talk to your users if you deploy on the Mac App Store because you probably don't know who most of your users are. That's true. <laughs> um, Minor little detail. Somehow managed right. through through the app, get them to sign up to a mailing list or something like that, which is quite difficult to do and get past Apple at the same time. So, uh, yeah, it's this whole, I think this is a whole new question um, going on in here. And equally, we're we're in the, the time as well where, you know, I think, you know, 599 $9.99, even software at those prices, which, you know, let's face it, those are probably higher <laughs> end products right. these days. You know, 999 and $5.99 is a throwaway price. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, I buy a cup of coffee for five ninety nine, or uh, no, a cup of coffee and a cake yeah, <laughs> for yeah. five ninety nine, and that's gone. Well, if I'm hungry, that's gone in thirty seconds. Um, so, really, am I psychologically going to have any more connection to something I paid five ninety nine for? This is why I would argue for higher software pricing, and and I, things doesn't fall as well. Yeah, if I've paid forty dollars or fifty dollars for something, and the um, you know, the, the equivalent software in the same genre is that price. You know, I, I'm going to think more readily about moving as well. So I, I guess it depends on, on where you're, you're coming into. And again, the whole investment of time thing. Um, but I was I was quite interested by some of the responses um, oh, that you see out there in, in some of the blog posts and, and about, you know, how he was wrong to have done this. But he's a user. Can't he do what the hell he likes? And we've got to live with that. Sure. I think, well, isn't some of the reaction coming from the fact that he's, you know, he's a software professional, he should be more understanding, he should be, have more solid, solidarity with his fellow developers. I mean, isn't this guy, uh, you know, in the biz? Uh, yeah, he's um, uh, ex-Borland and ex-Apple. Right. So I think that, you know, I, I, that's, I, I, I would have to imagine that, that that's part of it. You know, it's like, hey, you're hurting one of your own. Don't, you know. But I think that that again, you know, what he's saying is 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 probably what other people are thinking, and and, and I think it's it's and I think that this is a somewhat unfortunate thing. It's like yes, you know, things is not the only app that that suffered through this issue of how long did it take to to get a working sync system, but them's is the breaks. You know, it's like every everybody who is out there with a the product has their own breaks. I mean, you know. Every release of iPhoto, I had to watch them kind of chip away at that that things that 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 I worked on. Yeah. So you know that 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 unfortunately that is life. 
So we are creating a culture of no loyalty, uh, no connection, everything's throwaway. Um, is that survivable as software developers, do you think? No, I don't think it is. And I think that that's, you know, a Apple doesn't care. Apple can keep pushing the price to zero because the, ultimately they're in the business of selling hardware. You know, Google has started out as zero because they have every bit of information about you. So, you know, I think that at this point, the only thing that, that seems to be viable is, is how can you how can you get some value, you know, every month or a recurring thing? I mean, you, you've talked about this many times. I, I, I can't imagine starting a software project right now without thinking about how do I get a recurring revenue stream? Because otherwise, how are you going to do it? Because if, if nothing else, it, it, it's, 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 you know, people will be in the, in the buy mood at, at one point. There's a, there's a, a, a much studied psychology of this and, and, you know, then after that, it's it's what have you done for me lately? And and it's it's our general culture that does that, just because yeah. you know everything became digitized, so easy to move and transform and share that 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 it, it doesn't have the perceived value. I mean, I I, I I'm old enough to remember when when Photoshop first came out, and 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 I I remember being thrilled, absolutely thrilled, because the company I worked at, which did you know consulting and training for desktop publishing, you know. I had received in, in the mail or something, I can't even remember what it was, an invitation to be able to buy, you know, Photoshop at, at, at a ridiculously low price. It was like $75. You, know, you could buy one under strict circumstances to say that it was for your evaluation or, or something like that. And that you weren't, you know, and because it was otherwise, I can't remember how much it cost I me. Mean, it was an expensive piece of software and it came in a big box. And, and this was version one, which works, you know, and, and so that, that is a different world. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't come in a box, it doesn't come, I mean, it's not something you pay a lot of money for. I mean, that's an interesting point. I, I've never been a Photoshop owner, um, you know, because I just wasn't going to pay 700 bucks for something that I wasn't really going to use that much um, or however much it was. I can't even remember. I mean, it's price change all the time. Um, however, I have to say a few weeks ago since the starting of Creative Cloud, I, you know, 40 bucks a month or whatever it is, I've become a Creative Cloud subscriber and use Photoshop and um, Illustrator and uh, Bingo. using Premiere Pro instead yeah. of um, Final Cut Pro because yeah. it sort of fits what, what I'm doing a little better. Um, and that whole give me 40, 40 bucks a month, it sort of persuaded me. Yeah, and because it had that value of thousands of dollars before, you know, I'm happily paying every month what, you know, eight times what most people are moaning about paying for a single piece of software. Right. But but, <laughs> um, but that's it. So and, Just once. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is, I think you... you it's up to you to create your own culture around your application and maybe around your whole genre that makes that sort of thing acceptable. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because, you know, could you, do you think four or five indies to get together? I mean, it's like, you know, Adobe is a big behemoth. They have this whole portfolio of, of software. And they long since realized that everybody who was ever going to buy Adobe has bought it, you know, Adobe products. And so that's it. It is the subset of the population that are, are conscientious, you know, professional graphic designers who actually earn their living through it. So they, they you know. They wouldn't consider going and shoplifting art supplies from an art store, so they're not going to shoplift the software. Other than that, starving students or hobbyists or people who use it, you know, they'll pirate it. 
So at some point, you know, th th there had to have been a crossover, and I, I have to believe that there were people at Adobe and companies like Adobe studying, you know, sales trends and, and putting it in a spreadsheet, trying to figure out what's the crossover point. When do we start doing this? Because I would I would believe that they've had the technology for doing something along, you know, the lines of Creative Cloud for some time, and they had to kind of say, well, you know, last year and the year before we we made, you know, we made this amount of money, but it's clear that 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 this is coming to an end, and that. You know, if we want to see new growth, we need to we we need to basically get some money from everybody who's reasonably going to be in a position to do it. Because you never would have paid a thousand dollars for it. You know, I I bought a couple of copies of Adobe software mostly for for research and because I also and because I know somebody who works there. Once I got some friends and family Creative Suite, because it was cheap. But you know, I don't otherwise have a need for it. I my needs are are, are perfectly served with the great app Acorn, for example. So you know. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, an Acorn and a Pixelmator user. Um, yeah, to be honest, I, yeah, I looked at it and I thought, oh, it, it's, you know, people kept sending me PSD files and sometimes they opened correctly in whatever I was using and sometimes they didn't. Um, and there was a whole, I don't like Final Cut Pro, uh -huh. so it was a mixture. I think it was the, the whole, oh, this whole lot is only 40 bucks a month. Let's just, yeah, let's just take it and get on with it type of thing. Um, attitude, but yeah, one one thing is being, I think, really clever here for Adobe, um, or maybe it's not clever, maybe it's just coincidental and, and fortunate for them, is, you know, whenever you come across, even professional designers, they can often be on a version of Photoshop two or three versions old. Yeah. Uh. Um, CS3 or, you know, is probably still a very common version of Photoshop out there. And really, you know, I think through doing this, and then especially running the promotions they've been running recently for people who are on CS3, and upwards, I think that was a, you know, they purposely went back to CS3 knowing that that's where people were going back to and saying, you can have an even better deal, you know, 10 bucks a month for Photoshop or whatever it was, and, you know, 15 bucks a month, something ridiculously cheap. Um, you know, they're bringing their entire user base into the latest version, and that has got to be better for support. That's got to sure. be better for a whole bunch of other areas where, you know, it's got to be better of saying, oh, Brilliant, 95% of the user base on this, we can cut all this crap code next time because we're going to know almost everyone's files are up to this standard or this whatever. Um, you know, so it, it's it's in your benefit to bring people up to the, to the user base. And I think we get the same thing at the moment with, um, I know there's lots of uh, uh, different questions over things like um, the iWork apps being free and the iLife apps being free, but Mavericks itself being free um, you know, there is absolutely no reason that anybody who stands any chance of updating their OS, because anything that 10.6 would run on, I think, um, I think 10.9 will run on. It might not quite be true, because I can't remember. Did 10.6 still include, uh, no, I think, I think that's the case. I might be wrong. Anyway, something like that. But now it's free. Nobody has any excuse to not upgrade. Um, you know, really the whole argument about, heading straight for 10.9 on a new app as opposed to the old one and two versions it's just brought a whole bunch of great advantages to developers yeah well you know it, it, it points to the fact that it, it, it everything is a service i mean it's like you know software as a service is is, is SaaS is something that that was you know been discussed in enterprise software circles for a long time but i don't think that you can you know have a different uh, point of, you know a different way of, of 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 doing your business if you're an indie desktop software developer or or iPhones you know iPhone or iPad app developer you have to think about it. everybody does software as a service because that's what it is when you have these network connected devices and you can so easily to get it it's not it's not an application it's not something you install it's just kind of 
You know, it, it temporarily takes up residence on your devices and can be gone like flushing a toilet or picking a new, you know, a, a new chocolate bar out at the store. See, maybe that's an interesting way that things are going to go forward. Your, your application will either be seen as a throwaway mm-hmm. or it's something I subscribe to. Yeah. And, yeah. and and we'll almost move into two genres that, you know, I, this is something I use all the time, therefore I subscribe to it. I could do with using this now and again, once or twice. It's it's a throwaway. I'm going to buy it. Don't expect me to give you any loyalty. Don't expect me to come back to you again. I might do, I may not, you know, but you are, you know, and I want you for this price. Right, I need you know, I need you all the time. I will pay you a monthly fee or an annual fee, whatever it is, to keep using your software and keep keep it up to date. Yeah. Right, I, talking of service, John, I know some people who provide great service. Have you any idea who they are? Uh, I don't know, but you know, if if I needed to be able to to, you know, get started as a as a developer, you know, as a competent iOS developer, where would I go? I've got a feeling, John, that you might uh be heading to san francisco on january the 10th to join our friends at invasive code no i will not be heading to san francisco you know why because i live in san francisco and i love invasive code everybody loves invasive code john uh invasive code they're our sponsors again this week um we want to thank them they um they can do ios consulting and uh developing um but they also do training and they do training um in various parts of europe and uh, in the u.s and next training course is on january the 10th in uh, is it going to be sunny San Francisco in January, John, or is it just going to be sort of foggy San Francisco? Uh, no, January can be pretty nice. Uh, you know, it's it's been nicer recently. Thank you for for climate change. <laughs> uh, they're an iOS. It's going to be an iOS intensive training course, five days, uh, comprehensive training. Um, you need to have some development experience, but uh, they begin with the basics. They teach you Objective C. They teach you, you know, all about um, controllers and delegation and all the good stuff that you need to know to understand um, iOS development. Uh, they hold it in their downtown San Francisco um, offices, which is a, a, you know, a great part of the town to be in. Um, never more than 10 people in a class, so you get really good instructor time. They open the labs in the evening so that you can just, you know, carry on doing uh, the work, catch up with the exercises. The instructor will be there so you can still ask some questions. Um, they give you support afterwards. You get to take all the materials. You get coffee. You get lunch. Um, and they're a really nice bunch of guys. And if you uh, want to sign up for the January course and you can sign up before the end of if if you're one of those people who downloads a podcast and listens to it straight away, we like you. Um, you've got till the end of this week, November the 30th, to get the uh, early bird discount, which is actually a saving of 500 bucks. So that's that's really worth it. Um, we have a promo code as well, which we put on the um, uh, on with the show notes. So I'm going to tell you to go to the show notes and have a look because that forces you to go and have a look at the show notes. And I like to do that now. Um, you know, we like these guys. We trust these guys. We've heard good things about their training. Um, we're quite happy to promote them each week here on the show because they are good iOS community people. Um, and we say thank you to them for sponsoring the show. You go check them out at training.invasivecode.com. Maybe check out their other services as well. And Invasive Code, even if everybody else doesn't, we do love you. Thank you. <laughs> John, I realized that I had done a really bad thing. I'd not refreshed my list of reviews. Um, and so actually we had five reviews last week. <gasps> oh, we bless did. you all, each and every one of you. Yeah, so um, just a quick shout-out. We can do shout-out. Gonzo Oin from France. If I get your names wrong, I'm really sorry. Loza80 from the Czech Republic. Uh, pressurized Water from Hungary. 
and um, Rolo with already used nickname from Germany. <laughs> I love the names <laughs> on iTunes. They're great. Um, and they all gave us five stars. These uh, We love these guys as well. We love these guys as much as we love Invasive Code. Yeah, the, the iDeveloper helicopter will be dropping bags of, of, of Haribo candy and uh, chocolates and all sorts of goodies and salted caramels from San Francisco. We're just going to basically go around. If you give us a nice review, we will send the, the iDeveloper live helicopter or drone as is needed to drop sweet treats um, uh, in your home. That is the promise I can make. I just can't so, John, here, here, here's my next question for you. Did you queue up any time in the last couple of weeks for new iPad hardware, or will you be doing some Black Friday iPadding, or are you sort of going to skip this one? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, my final decision, actually, we had a, a, a dear friend over on her birthday and her husband gave her the, the top of the line iPad Air. And it, I had to say it was, you know, she'd never had a, you know, that, that perfect device. You know, a lot of people get like hand-me-downs or they buy the kind of thing. This was the first time in her life. I think she had kind of the super best you can possibly get. And it was, it was quite something to behold. Um, and now, I mean, if, 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 uh, 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 not to, I hope there are no kids listening, but sometimes Santa Claus is actually your parents or your husband or your wife, and, and my wife has been asking Santa about an iPhone 5S. Um, so I'm sure at some point I will be uh, I'll be heading out somewhere to, to take care of that for Santa. Uh, he needs all the help he can get. I mean, there's six billion of us in the world these days. That's right. See, Santa's, uh, really, Santa's really more of a subscription service than it's a product. <laughs> yes. I mean, the interesting, I mean, I've, I'm still, I made the promise to myself I would use the Nexus 7 for a month um, uh, just just to find out what I really felt about it as opposed to being this side uh, thing. So the Nexus 7 is the Google Android 7-inch yeah. tablet that we spoke about last week. Um, you know, one thing I've discovered is because because it's a new device, I'm very aware, aware when I'm using it, whereas... Um, when I was using my iPad, it was just part of my lifestyle, part of what I was doing. I wasn't actually aware that I was using my iPad. You just, you just did it. Yeah. And something I've realized over this last sort of um, week and a half since I've had the Nexus is how little I actually use my iPad yeah. and how little I actually use it for. Um, I, I literally found I, I've, I use it for reading and because um, I've not consciously felt, oh, I can't do something because I've only got this device and I haven't got the app or, you know, because as soon as I feel I, oh, I would normally do something, I just go find an app and do it, and I'll maybe try a couple of apps. And, and you know, the apps, some of the apps are quite good, actually. Um, so it's not like I'm purposely using it less because it's an Android device and I can't find what I want. I've actually just realized that I really hardly ever use the tablet. If, if any time, whatever it is, for email, for Twitter, um, for anything like that, I just automatically reach for my phone. Uh. I just don't even use the iPad. So I, I do reading using the Kindle app, and I possibly read the news feeds um, using it as well. So it's a reading device. So realistically, I could probably replace my iPad with a Kindle and I'd be fine, um, which is great because Kindles are <laughs> cheap and iPads are really expensive. Um, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that. But uh, but I think what I will do is because actually I'm finding this 7-inch, you know, I, I, before I went and got this device because I had to go get it for a project, it wasn't like it was in a big plan. I would have said I was going to go out and buy one of the new Retina Minis because, you know, I want some, but yeah, but I'm beginning to feel that actually, you know, my, my other iPad's an iPad 2 because I, I didn't upgrade to the iPad 3 or 4 because actually it, I, I, that makes sense to me now why I didn't because I use it mainly for reading and those devices are too heavy. Mm. The, the, the iPad 3 and the 4 are too heavy. I didn't want to do the Mini because it was just basically an iPad 2 with a smaller screen. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm seriously thinking, well, if I do upgrade, I'll, I'll probably... I won't get the Mini, I'll just keep the Nexus, and that's fine. And, and you know, if I get anything, I'll go get an Air just simply because they look nice. Well, you're, you know, there goes Apple's stock. Thanks, Scotty. My kid's not going to be able to go to college. <laughs> yes. Scotty says he's not buying an iPad Retina Mini. Apple's stock crashes. <laughs> <laughs> Apple cancels yeah. their new spaceship headquarters. <laughs> 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 right, John, I think we must have done our 30 minutes for this week, and um, uh, I- I'm all out of stuff for this week, and um, if uh, if you are... I am. Let's both this yeah. fast. Yeah, I've got to go tonight. I, I do, um, I don't know if you know, I do amateur dramatics and treading the boards, and tonight is the uh, the first night of uh, the pantomime we're doing here. If you've never been to England or the UK and you've never seen a pantomime um, or anything like that, you know, I'm not even going to bother explaining what they are. It's just too weird. But pantomime's one of those things that if you're not... If you're not um, from the UK, you don't understand it. If you are from the UK, you don't understand it, but you've been brought up with it, so you accept it. <laughs> Sounds like Christmas pudding to me. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I, I, let's not even go there. Right. John, tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can certainly find me on Twitter as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And if you'd like to find out about my product, Memory Miner, visit memoryminer.com. And if you'd like to find out about... Findry, which I've been working on for nearly the last year. Go to findry.com. If you're in Australia, you can download the app. If you're in the rest of the world, you can get excited because it's coming real soon. Okay, my name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter at uh, MacDevNet. I'm on ADN. is Scotty. Uh, check out iDeveloper.co for the show notes um, for this show. Uh, please go leave us a review on iTunes. Um, thank you for those who do this week. Do you know what, John? Yes. I've discovered... I've discovered if you want to programmatically um, get your reviews from every um, country and your ratings from every country uh, to look at for the week, you need to do at least 84 calls to Apple's server. Wow, that's the number of distinct <laughs> regional kind of interesting. Um, and yes, so there we are. It's it's an incredibly dull exercise. So um, I don't think that I don't think that you know are the people at, at you know community and content in my company are going to be willing to do that. If only there was a service that could do that for them. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> even going to say anything. No. <laughs> right, John. It's been an absolute pleasure as ever. As always, I will people see people who have. Yes, you will see me. Well, you won't. You'll hear me next week i will be a liquid love in your ears oh my god <laughs> you can cope with that. <laughs> and uh, to every, everybody else we're not going to make any any comment of what we are in your ears because we don't know if we like the response but thank you very much for listening and until next time take care <laughs> You've got to go wash that liquid love out of your ear, yes. <laughs> <laughs>